0: Ed Flash-Ferrance.
1: Nurses in Los Angeles on a 10-day strike. It's Solidarity Tuesday for SAG-AFTRA members. Find a time and get in line, they say. Today on the show, it's the Steelworkers Healthcare Council and Ironworkers Local 17 in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 22nd edition of America's Workforce, where... We are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Carol Tanzi. Carol is a registered nurse, and she is going to speak on behalf of the Steelworkers Healthcare Council. The Steelworkers, and I've said this a number of times on the show. They started this council some years ago, and they have about 50,000-plus members. And if you go on the national website, usw.org, they had a very intense conference last month. You might want to check out that video. Well, it turns out that uh, nurses at the Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital, which is in New Brunswick, New Jersey, went on strike recently. And the big issue, and this is an issue with all nurses, staffing levels. Staffing levels have been a sticking point between the steel workers and the local. This would be local 4-200. Well, after the talk stalled, more than 1,700 nurses walked off the job. Clearly, we're all united for a common purpose here, said one of the nurses, Jennifer Kwok, who works in the neonatal ICU unit, which is a very stressful unit, said depleted staffing levels create very dangerous conditions for patients and causes nurses to burn out. She said, if we spread too many patients to take care of, how can they get the attention and the care that they deserve, that any patient really deserves? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, her background, Carol Tansy, one of the uh, nurses at that unit. She's a registered nurse for 25 years, a single mother, one daughter, and an unrelenting advocate for her patients. And she's not alone. There's so many nurses just like Carol Tansy. So we'll talk about... uh, Healthcare, staffing with her. And then we're going to check in with Rich Jordan. Rich is business manager of Iron Workers Local 17, which is based in uh, close to downtown Cleveland, Ohio, IW17.org. And they're part of the Great Lakes District Council that does the organizing for the Iron Workers in the Great Lakes states. So we're talking about locals 317, 25, 207, 549, 550. And then there's the Shopman's Local. 831 and 851 rich is going to talk about the workload and there's plenty of work especially with the uh, giant sherwin-williams project going up in uh, downtown cleveland but what a storied history for this local cleveland cleveland ohio is one of the six cities represented in the first convention on february 4th of 1896 to organize the international association association of bridge and structural ironworkers. Now, at that time, delegates from Cleveland reported that their estimated membership was about 350. Well, Local 17 was one of the original locals. However, circumstances delayed its charter until April 27, 1901. So that's the official start of Local 17, which today has jurisdiction over 10 counties in northern Ohio. That includes Cuyahoga, Ashtabula, Erie, Geauga, Huron, Lake, Bedina, Portage Summit, and Lorraine. And they've got a pretty good uh, relationship with the contractors. We'll talk about the apprenticeship programs and what they see for the future of ironworkers in northern Ohio. IW17.org. Is your website. Now, a brief look into the world of labor brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, last Friday, nurses at a Los Angeles hospital started a 10 day strike. The nurses are accusing the hospital's management of failing to address short staffing, broken and substandard equipment, and inadequate protections from attacks by patients. That's a lot. That's a lot. Members of the service employees 121RN, the union that represents the nurses, said that the substandard pay and working conditions have led to high turnover and chronic shortages. The union's executive director said in a statement that these shortages have affected patient care and that the hospital is not complying with state staffing requirements. Now, in response... The hospital said it does a daily assessment of its staffing needs and that it has never been penalized by the state for being out of compliance. In addition to staffing shortages, union members have reported inadequate equipment and unsafe conditions. One nurse reported that when she was performing a blood transfusion, she had to improvise tubing to complete the transfusion because the appropriate tubing was not available. <laughs> I don't even want to hear any more about what's going there. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Today is Solidarity Day for members of SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of TV Radio Artists who have been on strike against the Hollywood TV and movie producers for a number of weeks now. And their, uh, their slogan is, find a time and get in line. If there's a picket going on in your area, no matter who's picketing, join in. Join in, especially if you have a sag after t-shirt. The picket line is where we show employers in the community that our solidarity and resolve is very, very strong. Your presence makes all the difference. It's critical that you show up. No one will strike for you. And a large turnout lets employers know that we will not be ignored. Plus, it's a great chance to build camaraderie with your fellow members. So if you see a SAG after a picket line today, join in. Abigail Disney, now there's a name. She has some thoughts on Bob Iger's leadership of her family's company. She is not happy with her family. I mean, I've read a couple of stories about Abigail. She is a 63-year-old film producer who is the grandniece of Walt Disney. And she addressed Disney CEO Bob Iger's controversial remarks about the ongoing strikes in Hollywood. I don't think he really appreciated how the climate, emotional climate, of this country changed during the pandemic. Now, Iger stepped down as Disney's CEO. This was in February of 2020 after 15 years at the helm. But he signed on as executive chairman until December 2021 when he retired. Then he returned as CEO in November of last year. Disney told Fortune magazine, I think, some of the things he said might not have been considered remarkable in 2020 or in 2019. I think he was just talking the way a CEO normally talks, but we've reached a saturation point. And so all of a sudden, he stepped into it and just didn't appreciate it at all. He's normally very careful. Iger sparked uproar back in July when he said members of the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Union, who were on strike were not realistic in their expectations. He said there's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic and they're adding to the set of the challenges that this business is already facing. Well, he was swiftly called out for those remarks. His contract in November lists his salary base at $1 million with the potential for a bonus equal to 100% of that salary plus $25 million in Disney equity for the total of $27 million. Now, An amendment in July increased the bonus potential to 500% of his base salary, further raising his earning potential to around $31 million. Now, get this. The median pay for Disney employees last year, $54,256. SAG-AFTRA president, Fran Drescher, later called Iger's comments terribly repugnant And out of touch, positively tone deaf. She told Variety magazine, if I were that company, I would lock him behind doors and never let him talk to anybody about this. Because it's so obvious that he has no clue as to what's really happening on the ground with hardworking people that don't make anywhere near the salary that he's making. Abigail Disney said of Iger's remarks at the time, you can only call your workers and partners unrealistic if you cannot see beyond the confines of the very narrow and morally bankrupt business ideology that has set your company on this long track toward exploitation and injustice. That's the grandniece of Walt Disney speaking about the CEO of Disney, not happy with the strikers. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the steelworkers' healthcare council. Back in a few minutes.
0: This is America's workforce.
2: It takes Layuna to build North America's infrastructure. That's allyuna.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers.
1: You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and and sign-and-display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.
2: America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19
2: affiliated local unions and district councils.
0: Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferrans. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or
1: follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Speaking of Twitter, Elon Musk acknowledged over the weekend that the site formerly known as Twitter, which he renamed to X, may fail. He said, the sad truth is there are no great social networks right now. We may fail, as so many have predicted, but we will try our best to make there be at least one, his. Well, since acquiring the site last year, he has laid off a majority of the company, overhauled the verification system, and completely rebranded the social media platform. At one point, he also imposed temporary limits on the number of tweets that each user can view. Most recently, Musk has drawn backlash for announcing his plan to remove the block button from the site. The block button allows users to choose who gets to see and interact with their content or profile. Well, as a result of this, a lot of users have migrated to different social media platforms, and that includes Threads. That's a new app by Meta, the parent company of uh, Facebook. And X formerly Twitter has threatened to sue threads claiming it has engaged in systematic, willful and unlawful misappropriation of Twitter's trade secrets. And of course, meta says there's no basis to that claim. I don't understand why you would buy a company and completely revamp it when it was very, very successful. And so many key people have left, but that's Elon Musk, by the way, this, uh, Next segment on the show brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. All right, let's go to New Brunswick, New Jersey right now. And joining us on our live line today is Carol Tanzi. Carol is a registered nurse at the Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital. And she's one of a number of nurses, 1,700 altogether, that are on strike. And they went on strike at the beginning of this month on August fourth and carol is a registered nurse she's been a registered nurse for about 25 years and we're going to talk to her about her background what's going on at this uh, at this hospital carol tansey welcome uh, to america's workforce thanks for joining us today and talking about the situation over there sad situation but let's get a little background on yourself uh why did you get involved in the nursing profession this is a very difficult task and especially uh you know with the pandemic and all that the stress level had to be monumental but uh, talk to me about uh, why you chose this profession let's start right there go ahead
3: I uh always felt like I wanted to be a nurse ever since I was a teenager I just felt that this was my calling this is something that I I always wanted to do I wanted to take care of people
1: okay now did you start at uh, Robert Wood was that your first job or what
3: Now, I started in a small community hospital as a nursing assistant, and it's kind of traditional that if they know your working habits, they hire you on once you're a nurse. But then um, that was a little far from my home, and uh, I moved to Robert Wood Johnson um, for the experience that it's a a bigger hospital, um, more critical patients, and I felt like that was more aligned with what I wanted to do. I didn't want to just stay in a small community hospital.
1: I see. And how long have you been at Robert Wood altogether?
3: Um, 25 years.
1: Oh, 25 years for that whole time. Oh, yeah, I, I gotcha. didn't even
3: last six months at the other place.
1: Oh. <laughs> the other place, was the other was the other facility a non-union facility or what?
3: Yes. Yes, it was.
1: Okay. Big difference when you joined the, the Steelworkers Healthcare Council, huh?
3: Well, steelworkers are strong. We used to be the paper workers, but then they messed around with some of our money so we were able to get out of the paper workers and now we're with the steel workers
1: okay and that would be a usw 4-200 so yes. um, I'm, I'm reading what 1700 nurses walked off the job uh, and i know and i'm hearing this from various uh health people like yourself that staffing issues are ridiculous and i know i know a couple of well national nurses united jumped on the bandwagon on this years ago and they've got ratios in place in california although some hospitals are violating that let's get into that what what are the staffing ratios over there at robert wood johnson university hospital
3: so we don't have anything that's enforceable right now so it's really at the whim of the Whatever patients come into the hospital, Um, another patient comes in, they assign it to you, and that's your patient too. Um, We try to cap at a certain amount, but like I said, especially like in the ER, they don't stop patients from walking in. During COVID, I actually had a family member down there, and the nurses had 14 to 16 patients each, and they were mostly travelers at that time.
1: Oh, my. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And, and that, I understand, has not improved, even though we're pretty much out of
3: COVID right now? You know, during COVID, they asked us to step up, which, of course, we did. That's the nature of most nurses. Do, we'll do whatever we can, take care of the patient, take care of the patient. Everything is so patient-centric. Um, and they kind of play on our sentiments that nurses are caring people, that we would never want a patient to have to You know, wait. So we literally stepped up and now we find ourselves in a position where they're kind of forgetting our commitment and not going back. They figured we did it during the pandemic. They're keeping it rolling. It's saving them a lot of money. And uh, I feel like that's just a disrespect for the patients and the nurses.
1: So what's the hospital doing right now? Are they bringing in other workers to uh, to deal with the patients? I mean, this strike is, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at what, 18 days right now that, that you've been on strike. Yes. So how, yes. how are they handling this?
3: So the hospital, I mean, it, it is definitely our, our belief that the hospital just wants to break our union. Um, they have 30 hospitals. They've become a too big monopoly, which they feel are too big to fail. So they're just throwing money at everything and they've spent millions and millions of dollars to bring in replacement nurses who are not as qualified. We're a level one trauma center and the kind of patients we bring in require very specific training and diligence, which these nurses are not capable of. They're more, Generic, run-of-the-mill nurses to plug into many areas. That's what they do is they wait around for a strike and then they go in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are any of the patients speaking out about what's going on right now?
3: Oh yes, yeah, several. There's been many calls to the Department of Health, many, many, many calls.
1: Oh, that's sad. So how's the solidarity? At 1,700 nurses on strike, it's. Uh, and plus, you got a powerful union behind behind you and I have to ask you too is, is National helping out on this situation
3: well <laughs> we always think they could do more but um, yes they are uh, coming in um, I think we have a different expectation we want everything right now since that's how we're used to working and I right. guess they're used to working with a longer strike playing for the long game but you know we're, we're, we're working it out we're, we're working it out
1: Okay, let, let's talk about uh, negotiations. Um, you you have a contract, right? Uh, and, and, no, we,
3: we were done in are, thir- the 30th. Our contract was up on the 30th of June.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, how many negotiations <laughs> have there been during the, the last couple of months to, to, uh, to come up with a new contract?
3: Well, they just met last Wednesday. And as our union leaders have said, it's a joke. They're, they're not willing to negotiate with us. They're not trying to get a contract. Their goal is to break the union. We've clearly lined out what it will take for us to be in a position to accept a contract, and it does contain ratios, concrete enforceable ratios, not tied to a stick call. They are not um, willing to take out the clause that says if we have a sick call, then the ratios, you know, that's our problem then. Mm-hmm. and, and, and in, in a crazy world, the only people that get punished for being sick are nurses who take care of sick people.
1: Unbelievable. I don't so, think how the is public re-
3: is aware in general about the treatment of nurses. I, I'm not sure um, the public in general is aware of it, that it's a well, profession that has been um, treated like there should be charitable maids and do these things out of the goodness of our heart. When it's something quite different, we are licensed by the state, um, which legally obligates us to do the right thing by patients, including advocacy. And when we find ourselves in a situation that it is no longer possible to take care of these patients safely, then, then you have a strike.
1: Carol, this is your opportunity to tell the public about how you really feel i'm glad you started on that i want you to you know let it all hang out here i mean that's what america's workforce is all about because you know you were appreciated you were the heroes and now you're the zeros after the pandemic and i get that that's that's why you're on the show over here so um explain to i mean you picked it up i want to hear more uh, about how bad the situation is and on top of it we need nurses. There's a lot of nurses leaving the profession. I can only assume that nurses have pretty much fed up and left Robert Wood Johnson. Has, has, has that happened there?
3: Of course it has. Of course it has. And the real problem is so many layers that the hospital isn't considering any of those. First, um, once you get to a certain age and you just, you're, you're, you, I come to work with my heart and my brain. Right? Like you can't do this job. If you don't care about patients and giving them the best experience, they deserve it and they expect it. So starting at that point to ask me to keep coming in and never listening to our needs, our concerns. After a certain amount of years, you're going to go to a doctor's office. You're going to say, what am I hanging around this for when I have another option? So people leave. The stress is definitely too much to to continue at that rate. It's just it's just not physically, mentally possible. When you're so ethical and moral, you don't even want to be part of a machine that operates so unethically and puts profits before patients. We we don't fundamentally react in that way. So you, don't long, you, don't, you no longer want to associate yourself with it. That's created a huge problem in the training of nurses. So nurses go to college, and what we're seeing particularly right now is they were in college during a pandemic where they weren't allowed to do their clinicals in the hospital because they literally didn't understand the disease. We didn't want to expose more people to it. Um, so they were at home on computers or in labs not getting any of the true patient experience. So nursing is traditionally a profession where we have to raise the young, right? Like they have to be in the experiences with an experienced nurse in order to understand and be able to handle that. When a patient stops breathing, it's very different on paper in your classroom to a real-life experience. Now, the only way you get through that is if you have a more senior nurse who unfortunately has had that experience several times to guide you through it, to give you the confidence so that when it's your turn, you're able to handle it. That is not happening because nurses are not staying long, and the ones who are staying long are burnt out. We're in charge, we have too many patients, and now they give you a new nurse, an orientee. It's not a good mixture.
1: I think the real Carol Tansy is coming out now. Carol, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We're going to continue with Carol. She is a member of the Steelworkers Local 4-200. That's the Steelworkers Healthcare Council. There's about 50,000 brothers and sisters in that healthcare council. If you go to the national website, too, usw.org, there's a really good video on the conference they had uh, last month talking about the issues that Carol is addressing here on the show today. We'll continue with her. Rich Jordan will be joining us on behalf of Ironworkers Local 17, IW17.org in Cleveland, Ohio. Back in a few minutes.
0: You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens.
2: It takes Laiuna to power North America with affordable energy.
1: GE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org.
0: There is unity and strength for workers. We are the U.S. We are the U.S.W. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America.
3: We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean.
4: We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper,
3: oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector.
0: We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's
1: Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org.
0: Now, back to Ed Flash Ferencz with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings. So please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at Agency. Dot org. Let's go back to uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Joining us in our live line today is Carol Tansey. Carol is an RN, registered nurse, and she's on an unfair labor practice strike. Been going on since August 4th. She's a registered nurse for 25 years, a single mom, one daughter. I mean, you, you're, your hands are full, girl. You're, they really are full here. And uh, we should point out, too, that uh, this hospital, uh, Robert Wood Johnson University, is part of they're affiliated with Rutgers. Now, as I recall, Carol, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. When the faculty went on strike some months ago at Rutgers, the uh, the hospital was not part of that. Is, isn't that wasn't that the case back then?
3: That's true. We the language in our contract doesn't allow for that. But we're not we all are in different unions, so we supported them in other ways.
1: I see. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, it's
3: unfortunate. It's unfortunate with nursing in general that we're so fractioned and everybody's in so many different unions. It's it's not like California and New York when there's just a couple representations. We're we're literally all over the place.
1: Right. Okay. Well, you supported them in other ways. Are they supporting you now? The the faculty that oh, went on strike.
3: One hundred percent. Robert Wood Johnson actually had the audacity to reach out and ask their medical students and uh, residents to come into the hospital and try to volunteer, actually, to come into the hospital on their own time um, in order to make the transition with the replacement workers more smooth. And they responded with a beautiful, eloquent letter saying, you know, I mean, I'll paraphrase in my words, that you know that that's not even a, a reasonable request that their education they pay a lot for their education they're not going to volunteer their time to come, you know, uh go against the nurses that we work so closely with. Yeah, it was beautiful. They basically shut them down in the most eloquent way possible. <laughs>
1: Now, I do recall when the faculty went on strike over there, got the attention of some uh, powerful elected officials, including the governor of New Jersey. Has has any of that happened? Has anybody reached out and say, hey, come on, come on, let's get this done. I mean, you indicated in the first segment that they want to bust the union. I mean, we, we can't go down that road. We can't do that. But what about, what about some, uh, some powerful officials getting involved in this? I mean, we're 18 days into this strike. Any of that happening yet?
3: So interesting you should say that. Uh, that is not happening yet, except for the beautiful Senator Sanders. My daughter worked on his campaign when he was running for office and maintained some ties and was able to get in touch with him, and he is fully, fully um, supporting us and is attempting, hopefully this week, to reach out to some of the leaders here. I mean, it only makes me believe they're not willing to throw their support behind us because they're afraid the rich donations that Robert Wood Johnson makes to control this area, well, actually all of New Jersey at this point, um, including media outlets, I just think they're afraid to miss a contribution. I, I, you can't tell me it's anything. Greed goes to greed. Um, mm-hmm. pe- people are not willing to, to stand up for what's right, despite the fact that at some time they're going to need a nurse. At yep. some time it's going to be their, their butt in the bed and, or their family members, God forbid. And not that we don't want to take care of their family. It's, it's physically impossible. This is going to affect everybody. This is not a nurse issue. It's a human issue. It's it's everybody's problem.
1: Carol, what's the administration saying? Again, you feel that they want to bust the union, but what are they saying to counter what you're trying to do on strike right now?
3: Nothing productive. They say, so right now, the, the, the biggest insult is that hospital is so overstaffed. They've moved patients out, so we don't have any kind of a census like we normally do. They moved patients out and then double and tripled the staff at a, at an exorbitant rate of pay and they're housing them. I mean, the, the biggest joke in nursing is whenever they want to reward us, we're, we we do not see um, cash bonuses like the rest of the world. They want to throw us a pizza party or an ice cream party, which is insulting on its own. But the, from what we understand, the replacement workers are ordering out from real restaurants. They're supplying meals to them from real, like, restaurants. It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's disgusting. The lack of respect, the, the, um, direct, direct insults. Their, their propaganda machine is going twenty four seven. YouTube videos saying how they care about their nurses. At Robert Wood Johnson, they care about their nurses. You know, we're we're nurses are not people who are you know, throw words around lightly. You know we care because that's where our blood, sweat, and tears go, to caring for patients. Not millions and millions of dollars in propaganda.
1: Carol... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> what about what about the media in that area? Media covered the Rutgers faculty strike. It was unbelievable what was going on. Well, that was a first strike in like 270 years. But yeah. in this case, how are they? You, you even referenced that they seem to be manipulating the media. Are they trying to suppress what's going on there?
3: Well, I know they were able to shut it. The Channel 12 local news out of the hospital. They stopped it from coming into the hospital. They are a big sponsor of a big news uh, talk radio here, 101.5. They're a sponsor of uh, New Jersey Channel 12, the... Studio is called the Robert Wood Johnson Studio. I mean, you tell me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're paying money to keep them shut up. <laughs> it's, it's
3: unbelievable to me. I, I thought we were in North Korea when they were shutting Channel 12 off. I, I was fascinated by it.
1: Yeah. Since they've got sponsorship there, obviously the media feels a bit reserved if they're going to really get into what you're saying on this show. I, I mean, I, I understand it. And that's the sad part of media. It's become so corporate today. So, Carol, I'll tell you, you got our support here on America's Workforce, and I, I appreciate you, you know, coming out and speaking it. And that's what this show's all about. Tell it like it is. Tell us what's going on in the front line. Like I said, during the pandemic, you were the heroes, and now they don't give a damn about what you're doing here. Safe staffing ratio. You know, there was another thing, too, I want to touch on. Um, New Jersey State License Protection are they uh, circumventing the law? Are they, are they bending a few rules over there at, at, uh, at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital when it comes to uh, uh, licensing and all that stuff?
3: I'm not sure about that, but I know based on nurses are mostly female. Um, they, they literally are praying, in my opinion, praying on a group of people who don't know how to put themselves first we we literally don't know how to put ourselves first. We're always doing something for someone else at the harm of ourselves. Uh, n- not sleeping, working long hours, uh, bringing a food dish for the family that, that didn't, uh, that had a death. Like, literally, nurses are just perpetual caregivers. And I do 100% believe that if it was a mostly male-dominated uh, profession, that that, I mean... Cops, firefighters, they don't have to go through this. (laughs) They do not have to go through what we're going through. Uh, You you can't tell me they do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Carol, you're awesome. I really thank you for uh, coming on the show. <laughs> you know, okay, you know who I, doesn't
3: think I'm awesome? The administration. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm sure of that. Okay, I have, I have one more question for you. You've been doing okay. this for 25 years. You got in there because you care for people. I mean, that you, I could tell your heart and soul is in this profession. Do you think at this point, because of what's going on right now, that you're going to give in and say, hey, i got to move on to another profession because of the way you're being treated? Has that crossed your mind?
3: Leaving the bedside is always on my mind. Literally, it's always on my mind, leaving the bedside. For the physical toll, like your back, you know, the, the physical toll, the emotional toll. Once you get to be a person of my age, you say, "What? The, what do I need this shit for?" You just, yeah. it just starts to make sense that when it has this much of a hold on you and you're not getting any satisfaction, I, I will. If I do step away, I will miss my patients and their families. I'm in the pediatric recovery room, and I know I have an ability to make an impact on those families in a very short time. It's our responsibility to get these strangers. To, to trust us to take care of their family members and we do it like over and over and over and over and over again like i i know what is required for this job we've invited administrators time after time walk a day with us walk a day with us and see what we do you're making decisions and you have no idea what we do no idea and they they always refuse
1: carol Tansey registered nurse member of steelworkers local 4-200 on strike since august 4th one of 1700 nurses who walked off the job on august 4th and still on strike in the uh, hospital is trying to break the union carol thank you so much for uh, what you have done for this profession i feel bad for you i feel bad for all the other nurses there all i can tell you is stay strong And stay in touch with us. This show is your show. This is where you can speak your mind. And you obviously have spoken your mind here on America's (laughs) Workforce. So (laughs) thank you for joining us. Okay. And take care. Okay, sister?
3: Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for shining a spotlight on this. Thank you very much.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Rich Jordan, business manager of Ironworkers Local 17 in Cleveland, Ohio. This is
0: America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
2: It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers' International Union of North America, Delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L I U N A.org
1: the heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for america's workforce radio the insulators union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry fire stopping and infectious disease control regarded as north america's energy conservation specialist these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication you can learn more about the insulators union at insulators.org. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org.
0: Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union ironworkers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our ironworkers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org.
0: Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Farens And remember, you can check us out on Facebook
1: or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call that company. And that would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. And if you like a show, please share that show. We like to count the downloads, and we are exploding on downloads. America's Workforce, now in the top 5% of all podcasts in the world. And I say... We broadcast in Cleveland and podcast to the world, and we do this all at Local 17, IW17.org, which is the home of America's workforce. And joining us on our live line right now is Mr. Rich Jordan, who is the business manager of Local 17. Rich Jordan, welcome to America's workforce.
4: How are we doing today, brother? Doing well, Flash. Good morning.
1: Good morning, and thanks for joining us today. So why don't you give us a little update. 37 years, I understand, as an iron worker, almost eight years as business manager. And what what are we looking at, about 900 members in uh, 17 right now? Is that accurate?
4: Yeah, we're right around 900 and and growing, as we speak.
1: Good, good, good. Has that number been pretty steady? I know there's a lot of work, especially with the Sherwin-Williams project in downtown Cleveland right now. But, uh, I mean, you've been around a long time, and, you know, there's ups and downs in the industry. I get that. But uh, that 900 figure, uh, how does that compare in years past?
4: Well, when I got in in um, 2016 as business manager, we were around close to about 680, 700 total. Now we've up to, like I said, around nine hundred. So about two hundred people we've grown, and good, I like good. to get that number to about eleven 1, hundred to twelve hundred people.
1: That's uh, that's pretty aggressive here. What are we doing to achieve that right now, Rich?
4: We uh, my apprenticeship program next door. It's a full time program. It's a day school, and uh, I have great teachers. And the coordinator next door, Dan Strimple, he's out recruiting all the time. He uh, does the JVS schools and. Um, Cleveland Workforce and any type of uh, place you can sit in front of kids to sit down and, uh, you know, tell them what we can do for them here because it's a four-year program, and apprenticeship, and you learn as you go. So, uh, I mean, they come to four four weeks of classes a year, and then the rest of the time they're putting money in their pockets. So, uh, it's a great opportunity for kids today to earn as you go and make some good money because we do make good money here at local 17, but we work hard for that money also.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, you talk about kids, are we getting into the schools? Cause, and I bring this up so many times, I know you're a big fan of the show and we talked to so many of the trades and they, they have a difficult time because the, the high schools seem to kind of point everybody to college. And I know they get graded on that too. The more they send to college, the better, uh, the better points they get in whatever point system that they have in high schools and all that. But I'm just wondering, um, as, as far as the recruitment part and, and getting them into specifically the ironworkers, can you speak to that part?
4: Well, the regular schools, yes. They, I mean, they really pushed uh, college on the kids today. But uh, when you get into JBS, we have a program set up here at the state of Ohio. As the, when they become a junior, they can start taking our classes that that's that's certified through the state, and then when the kids get out of high school, they're already going into our third year program as a as apprentice so they uh wipe out two years as they're in high school, so it's a good thing that we got started up the state of Ohio, and that does help out in um recruiting and organizing pretty much is a big part of what we do here also uh organizing a non-union to to union. I mean, that's a big thing we have with my organizers that we have here.
1: You, uh, If you don't mind, can you get into some of the specifics of the apprenticeship program? This is kind of a sell, a call to action for Local 17. You mentioned you want to yes. grow your membership. You want to get up to 1,100. Well, let, let's get into that. Those that are listening right now, we've got a pretty good audience, especially in, in the state of Ohio. It's probably our, our top uh, podcasting state in the country right now. But And you've got a pretty big territory. I mean, you've got, what, 10 counties in northern Ohio. There's a lot of work out there. So I, I, if you could put your cell hat on right now, Rich, and explain to those listening, what, uh, what's involved in the apprenticeship program? How, how do you come prepared for the apprenticeship program? Can you speak to that?
4: Uh, the apprenticeship program, how you come prepared for it is the way I look at it. Is If you're an outgoing person and you have the heart to do this and you show up every day, be on time and want to work, it's pretty simple to get into. Like I said, we have it's a four-year program. It's on block system, so it's almost like college where it's semesters. And we will teach the kids as they go. When a kid getting in the program is making 60% in his first year, first half, first year, second half, to 65 on up until they become a journeyman. So they learn as they go. And um, we're not expecting much out of them as a first-year, first-half kid, but uh, they're being taught the welding, the burning, classwork, I mean, you name it, bridge work, ornamental, uh, working in factories. So, I mean, they do learn a lot while they're here. Uh, superintendent training, foreman training, uh, OSHA. So, I mean, the guys are taught a lot. And the way I look at it also, I do have a degree from college and I, I, I look back at it. These kids are making more money after four years, I mean two years, and by the time they graduate from here, they're making more money than the kids getting out of college by far, with no debt and it's a, it's a great living you can take care of your family, put uh, your kids through college I've put in three I have had pleasure to put three kids through college me and my wife so it's a it's a great career
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: when you say you know talking wages here you're talking about good money can you give us a, a salary range of what uh, members at 17 are making right now about
4: a first year apprentice when he gets in he's by he's brought 24 bucks an hour in his pocket and 27 in his uh um, benefit package so when you get all the way up to a journeyman you know you go 56 or 60 all the way up to 95 percent but as a journeyman, they're around 37 bucks an hour, and then another 27. So they're around about 64 bucks, 65 bucks total package. And then the journeyman is about 41 bucks an hour.
1: Certainly got my attention on the wages. That's uh, that's a good sell there. By the way, the office number for Ironworkers Local 17, I neglected to say this at the beginning of the show, is 216 771 5558. 216 771 five 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 eight and it's iw17.org all right you you want to grow the membership here i know there's a lot going on in uh in the in the area that you have jurisdiction especially in downtown cleveland if you don't mind i'd like to focus on the the sherwin williams headquarters and uh, i drive by there all the time it's awesome uh what are the iron workers doing there and how many members of 17 are working on that project right now rich
4: we have close to probably about 70 guys on the project we're doing the uh structural still we're doing the rebar we're doing the uh, miscellaneous iron and we're also doing a lot of the glass work out there too because believe it or not a lot of people will say iron workers and we're putting in the glass uh we've done that since the beginning of time <laughs> iron workers has and that's something uh we're blessed to do so uh We've kept that in our books, and we do train on that pretty hard and heavy to make sure we keep that part of the work. So it's going very well down there. Uh, the built- i mean, everybody's happy with the progress of, especially the iron workers. So and the other trades too. So, but it's it's a great project. But in northeastern Ohio, right now, you talk about Shoren Williams—that's downtown. But then you have the R and D for Shoren Williams Research Center in Brecksville. There's eleven buildings out there for that project for. Sherman williams so it's a major project, and we, like I said, we know, we need people. Uh, Avon Ford, we have the electrical uh, truck plant coming up, and the battery plant going close to $3 billion, and we'll probably have close to a couple hundred people on that project coming up here, and we're starting to load up on that here in August, but that's going to be about a two, three-year project, and over at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, between the, the hospitals here in Cleveland. They're always are sort of growing. The clinic is with the Neuro Center and the Coli Vision Research Center, and two major parking garages. They have probably close to three years of work for a couple hundred people or more. And then you get down in the Akron area, where Kent State Business School that has a big business school going on in the parking garage, and we have the old Rowdy Truss Bridge that's one of the bridges that fell down up in Minnesota if you remember back. 10, 12 years ago, they're finally replacing that one. It was a major project. And then over on the uh, east side, I did talk about uh, Eddie's job at the clinic. And Scotty's is over there on the west side. I have three business agents plus myself, an organizer so- and a political coordinator here.
1: You're, uh, you're keeping busy, no doubt about that. So, I mean, it sounds like probably four, five, six years ahead, there's, there's enough work to grow that membership to, to, to the point that you want it then, right?
4: Yeah, and I, and there's a lot of other work out there. I, I didn't even mention talking about this uh, Cleveland Cliff. We've been blessed that Cleveland Cliffs ended up buying our steel mill out here, and Cleveland Cliffs is putting a lot of money into to that steel mill down there, they did last year, and they're gearing up again this September and starting to move on some more uh, you know, capital down there. So it's a, it's a great thing.
1: Once again, Rich Jordan, business manager of Ironworkers Local 17, IW17.org, the office number 216-771-5558. Rich, great job. And you wanted to say something else to our listeners? Go ahead.
4: Real quick on issue one, I'd just like to thank the uh, people from the state of Ohio for getting out and giving us a great victory to defeat uh, issue one. That was a big victory for the state of Ohio. And also, uh, I'd like to thank you, Flash, for all the support you do here across the country for the labor movement and also for the city of the Cleveland area and the community effort that you give here in the uh, city of Cleveland with uh, Flashes with M- M- MS Walk Team, he has. For over the last uh, 11 years, he's been doing that with MS, and he's raised over $200,000. So Flash is very important to our community, Flash, and I appreciate everything you do, sir.
1: Well, Rich, thanks for the uh, kind words, and that's an issue. MS is an issue that I'm very, very passionate about, so uh, thank you very much. Rich Jordan, business manager of Ironworkers Local 17, IW17.org. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, heat and frost insulators and the steelworkers in West Virginia. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day.
0: That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find
2: out more information online at labortools.com.